0: This is Sherry Hayes with momdelights.com. I'm the mom of 15 children, been homeschooling for over three decades, and I want to give you something today that will bless you and add to your life. So, go get some tea, mop the floor, fold the laundry, whatever you have to do, and just listen as we dive into the good life in Jesus. So, we've been talking recently about how things can steal our joy and how God has promised us in His Word. He's promised us joy. Did you know that as a mommies? Now, let me read this scripture to you. Okay. Now, it says, He may, and this is Psalm 113, 9. It says, He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. It says, praise the Lord there. And this is in my book, Glorious Mothering. I'm using this as my outline for these different videos in this series. And you can get this on Amazon if you want to. You don't have to. You know, it's just a compilation of some different things God's shown me. Um, anyway, today, so we're going to concentrate on one of the things that steal mommy's joy, and that is overcomplication. Now, overcomplication doesn't necessarily mean that um, it's just in our, like what we do, it's also our physical environment can be overcomplicated. Don't you agree? So anyway, I'm going to, I've written some notes down, so I'm going to read from these notes and then we're going to have a little discussion, you know. Okay, so overcomplicated life. Clutter, it kills, it steals, and it destroys, right? Clutter in any form, whether it's physical, surroundings, clutter, or clutter in our relationships, or clutter in our activities. It steals from us, it kills us, and it destroys us. Okay, it kills us because we work so hard for it, (laughs) And we often sacrifice our relationships and our health to get more of it, right? Okay, it steals our time, our peace, our sleep, and it destroys because it buries the very best things, the very best, under piles of the mediocre and banal. You know, things that aren't that great. That we have to fish through all that to get to the really good stuff we really need. Now this is true when we talk about our physical surroundings and our time, All right. Now, it it takes an insane amount of time and effort to keep our homes clean when they're filled with stuff that we have to constantly slush through, right? And it seems like we live in a constantly exhausted, distracted, dissatisfied state because we don't know how to discriminate between what is richly rewarding and what is only a time filler right there's things that are richly like okay let's let's take this for instance we can sit around as and we can spend our hours and hours and hours watching YouTube whatever or we could sit and play guitar and sing songs as a family which is more richly rewarding just a little quiz there right now I like to watch people declutter like super cluttered ho- homes, let's say. And and some of these, like, we know that hoarding is, uh, lots of hoarding is because a person actually has, like, an emotional disturbance, okay? But I'm not talking about that. Um, that's a different category, and people, often often are just dealing with it might even be demonic that they're dealing with and lots of us really need help and and so this is not a judgment on that at all but a lot of us sometimes we just get in ruts and we get in a place where we're just overwhelmed by clutter and it just like it's just closing in on us right so one thing i notice about us i'm I'm including myself okay i'm not just judging all the people on the internet that i can watch and go (laughs) like I'm in here too. Okay, uh, and so there's some things, that, some patterns that I see. Okay, the first one is the inability or neglect of purging broken and obsolete possessions, relationships, and commitments. So we are not taught this. We're not taught home management or life management when we grow up. It's just like, I don't know what it is, but it just, we are only taught this stuff on a standardized test that somebody decided was good for something and we don't even know because it may get us into college but when we're graduated from college it doesn't help us like know how to get rid of our junk or how to organize our, our lives it doesn't help with really anything right <laughs> but anyway we're not taught that this is a thing we need to do on a regular basis and if you didn't grow up in a home where your mom is really involved in keeping a home then you have nothing to go by but a lot of us have learned that we have to like take between december 25th and january 1st to kind of purge and there are different like times in our year that we will just take a week or a few days and we'll just purge and, and we'll just purge as we go along like you know that one spoon that the handle broke on it but you really liked it for a long time but you're you just don't want to throw it away <laughs> let's stick it in your drawer and let's multiply that like 200 items all over your house and you've got all these things sitting around there in your house and they're broken and you want to throw them away you know got to get rid of it okay so that's one thing we don't know how to purge and that includes our relationships that <sighs> Yeah, well, we're in a relationship with someone, but this person doesn't get us closer to the Lord. They're actually dragging us away. You've got to purge it. I'm just saying there's, you know, there's a godly way to do it. There's there's but you know, if people if you're the people in your life are dragging you away from God and they they're drowning and they want to pull you under with them, you've got to kick free so that you can get strong in the Lord so you can pull them up where you are. Okay, just saying that. There's a little extra and uh commitments also sometimes we don't realize we need to every once in a while sit down and assess. listen i am dragon what is dragging me down okay i you know i need to cut this out and this out because we really love this but we d- I don't really need this anymore right okay now also number two the number two thing i see in people's lives is excessive buying all right okay really super cluttered environments and if if you know i've had <laughs> If you saw the other half of this room, <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, excessive buying is usually one of those things that that people really struggle with, especially if you are overwhelmed in your environment. The reason this is because like, let's say that you're behind a couple weeks behind on your laundry, it's in piles. Your kids are saying, mom, we can't find any socks. Now you might be tempted just to go to the store and buy some. Right because you don't want to have to sort through all those piles of laundry to find the socks that your kids need right, so um, that leads to piles and piles and piles and It overwhelms you and it just it oh, and it gets to in it and at a certain state. It makes you Emotionally overwhelmed where mm-hmm. you go into depression and then it just snowballs from there And I think that's where a lot of maybe the hoarding syndrome can come from Okay, um, but you can also um, do this in for your commitments and your relationships, right? So, you're not really close to people, so you get a whole bunch of activities that where you're not close to people, but at least you say, well, I'm out with people, so therefore I have relationships. Not really, alright? Okay. So, you're going from one, th- and actually it keeps you from having relationships with people, because you're too busy to stand and talk to someone after one function, because you got to run to the next one, right? You can't have a relationship with your kids because you can't even eat dinner together as a family because you have uh, commitments three or four nights of the week. And so they never get to talk to their dad because he likes to stay home, maybe relax after work. He's watching TV, whatever. And he's alone, home alone. He doesn't have you, but you're doing stuff, man. You're out there. You're making relationships. Not really. You know, you're not focusing on the right relationships, right? So then the third thing that shows up a lot is escapism. Now, that's either screen binging, shopping, crazy schedules, outside activities, reading novels, uh, anything, like anything that makes you escape. Like at home, let's say that your relationships aren't that great, your house isn't that great, but when you go out with other people, you can forget it for a while. You know, when I was in the army, uh, a lot of women loved the army because they could escape their household chores (laughs) and also that they had children but they didn't have to deal with them all day it made them feel better they told me this it was and and they could go away on trips and it gave them a break that's what they would tell me okay so escapism will keep us in a a state where when we don't okay you know it's just the drug thing right so you uh you're poor and you live in a one-room shack and there's hardly uh, there's only uh, beanie weenies in the cupboard and there's just one carton of milk in the refrigerator so you're all depressed because you're poor so you get high and when you come down from your high now you don't have any beanie weenies in the cupboard anymore and no milk in the fridge and so you're really poor so you get high again and now the fridge is gone and you do it again and now you don't have a house to live in (laughs) so escaping doesn't help just you know that's obvious you guys know this stuff already all right but at the core of all of this is fear okay at the core the core of uh not purging the core of excessive buying the core of escapism all of it is fear all right so let me tell you a real story a true story i love stories to illustrate don't you they really help bring it home so um i got sick the a couple weeks ago and that's why i missed the other video because because i had a really emotional event happened we it was a, it was a nice event but it, it was you know emotional it was emotional. <laughs> our daughter um went off to live with her sister and we love her dearly she is she's such a wonderful person and and we all were missing her so horribly so we sent her off to the airport and then a stomach bug hit and i wasn't eating right and so i just really got sick for a week well i was feeling better and um that this will have a point i promise <laughs> So I was feeling much better, so I decided that I would have one of those noodle cup of soups. Now, way back in 2020, when things weren't available in stores, I had built myself this, like, food storage area in my basement, and I thought that I was going through and rotating pretty good, but, you know, that's just another thing you have to take care of, right? So I went down there, and I grabbed a cup of soup that was in the cupboard, and I ate, and I said, this tastes kind of awful. And immediately after eating that I was so sick (laughs) and then my daughter goes oh mom don't eat those I ate one last week and it made me so sick so here after just coming off one stomach bug now I have food poisoning (laughs) and it was because I had stored things that I hadn't gotten rid of okay now I do pretty good if you looked at my house you'd say you know you're you're not you're not doing that badly but there are just certain areas of your life that you can let go if you have a lot of stuff to keep track of am i right or am i right so anyway that was one one experience that showed me again where we need to be willing to let go and we need to do the purging thing but anyway fear can do that like fear of not having enough okay now this the fear that we won't be able to buy things in the future this i think has has gripped us a lot because of what we went through in 2020 now my grandparents that i knew uh, when i was a child they grew up during the great depression and they really understood this they really lived this fear they had when when they passed away there was so much to go through and these had been really value i mean no there weren't really a lot of really value in anything they had i mean even if it was like a pair of silk shoes that they had worn to a wedding one time they were just sitting in a box and by the time we got to them to do something with them they were ruined right i mean there were cats that they had and they had messed in things and it really it just was mostly for the landfill and they had piles and piles of it and that's because when they went through the great depression they developed a fear that they were not going to have enough and so they couldn't give anything away. It was very hard. And they as they got older they really did try, but they were just not capable by that time. And so, you know, just an illustration how fear can cause us to to, to hold on to things that we should be letting go of. Right? Now, here's another fear. A fear that we will miss out on something. <laughs> right? Okay. We have to go do this because we'll be missing out. Listen, these are my kids. I'm homeschooling them. If I don't give them, get them involved in here and here and here and here and here, they will miss out on something because they're not in public school where they have socialization. And what will people think of me? And what will people think of them? And well, and that, and there's that fear, right? And so we overcomplicate our lives. Okay, fear that if we give something or throw something away, that later on we'll need it. And I think this, this is the, the, the um the depression people they really had this in the back of their mind because they can remember during the depression my grandmother would say like they couldn't afford curlers for their hair to buy them you know they had so they would take and they would cut tin cans and roll them and you know and make their own curlers for their hair um there was a a a lady that was really broad and she wore dresses and she when she and she had a little bit of means so she wasn't as poor as my grandmother's family was and they my grandmother's family had a few girls and so she would send her cast-off dresses to my great-grandmother who would then make them take the parts of them and sew them into dresses for her daughters and so that was like, if you threw anything away, they used to make dresses out of flower sacks and underwear out of flower sacks. So the, flowers, the flower companies started printing their flower sacks with with floral prints so that people could use their flower sacks. But it's the truth. People thought if you threw something away, it could be useful because there was no money and there was no supply. So you understand that that was in the back of their mind. Even when they had money enough to buy whatever they needed, whenever they needed, it, lots of people still, they would go across town and spend 50 cents worth of gas to save 3 cents on a bag of apples right so it just was a mindset and it can be a mindset and it's fear it's fear and it becomes destructive right okay now there is also fear of losing an emotional attachment let's say that you have an item and um, aunt susie um, sat on that chair and she died a week later, so you can't get rid of that chair and the chair is broken and the chair has no handles on it. But, you know, your heart is in it, you know, I'm not laughing at that because I understand that's an emotion. Women have that a lot. But, you know, here's here's another story. When I was um, in in military intelligence during the Cold War and I worked a lot with people that escaped across the Iron Curtain from the Soviet communism rights from Soviet communism and these people um some, ta- some of them lived in houses that ha- they had lived in for generations and they had antiques and photographs and heirlooms and they left everything behind and all they took with them sometimes they didn't even have a suitcase and they traipsed across and they went into a refugee camp and they had nothing right and they may have been able to take a few photographs i ha- i did see some photographs and they would show me where they lived and the things they had But they were willing to do that for freedom's sake and they gladly traded all of that to gain freedom. And you know what? We kind of have to keep that in mind. That if there was a fire and the fire burned through everything we owned, you know what? If we had our lives and we had our health and we had our children, our loved ones about us, we could go on, right? And we got to look at our stuff is just stuff it's and all those all those so-called relationships we're building by keeping busy on things that don't really matter those could go away too and you know what we'd be okay (laughs) okay so um i think that when we look at that when we look at ordering our lives so that we really only deal with the important things and get rid of the unimportant i think that we live a better life Now here's another another thing that i want to talk about we can never have it all or do it all we can't it's not possible you know when my kids were little i decided you know i can't give all my kids all the extracurricular activities that everybody says are important but i can give them myself and if i'm so busy that i run around all the time then what is left of me to really give to them okay we're talking about richly rewarding you right okay Despite the tricky images in media and our own imaginations, and that's where a lot of this pressure comes from, is our imagination, no one else in the world has it all or does it all either. You know, you might, you might hear of someone that actually is so rich, they have four or five houses, plus they, they fly around in jets that are like mini houses floating around, right? They still don't have it all and they still can't do it all, okay? The most effective, beneficial persons to have lived did not try to do it all or have it all either. It's true. A lot of the most influential people on the Earth actually lived very, very minimalistic lives, didn't they? Look at Gandhi. Now, you know, I I appreciate much of the good that happened through Gandhi. He purposely didn't have anything, did he? (laughs) Okay. In his pre okay. Then think about Jesus. This is the most influential person that ever lived. Okay, in his pre-resurrected body, Jesus could only be at one place at one time, right? He sat in a synagogue, or played with children, or talked with a woman at a well. But he didn't feel as though he missed a great opportunity because he wasn't attend- attending assemblies of state, right? no hobnobbing no requesting a special meeting with herod or caiaphas right he wasn't trying to build shallow relationships he was going for the richly rewarding meaningful relationships with 12 disciples right now there were the 12 and there were the 70 right but the 12 were the ones that he took into his inner circle and those are the ones he concentrated on That's how he built richly rewarding relationships instead of concentrating on everybody all the time. We know that he also would speak to crowds that had gathered. That's different. He still didn't try to build relationships with 5,000 people at a time. He built relationships, rewarding relationships, with 12 people. And he had friends. He had uh, who, you know, um, he had friends, he had Mary, Martha, right? And Lazarus and he would go to their house and when Lazarus died he cried because he was friends with them. We don't hear him like have trying to develop a million friends with a million people because he was in a corporeal body just like we are and God was giving us a pattern of how to live in Jesus life, right? We want to be Christ-like that's one of the patterns of his life. Okay, he walked for miles and camped outside. <laughs> After he died, the only thing he owned of value was his cloak. And yet his years on earth were the most effective and impacting of anyone that ever has lived before or since. He had the most impacting life, but yet he didn't own anything and he didn't try to do everything, right? So we don't need to load up. If we are walking with God, we stay small and he gets bigger and bigger. When a problem comes up, we don't automatically buy something or go somewhere to fix it. We put it in our hands and lift that up to God and release it. We thank him for the problems. We say, Lord, I praise you and thank you for this problem, because in this problem is your possibility. Right. And then we allow him to become our answer for our problems. Okay. So when we have too much stuff, we can give it away. We can get rid of it because God is our provider. And when we walk so close with him, he loves doing things. He loves giving us stuff when we need it, right? We don't have to be afraid. And then he he shows us how to make the best of what we already have. You see, if we can allow ourselves to be spirit-led, the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything in the whole universe at all times. He knows how things go together. And you know, lots of times, things that are broken, we can pray and God will fix them for us. I do believe there's other things. He's seen things healed before. Physical things, yes, I know. But it's happened. It's happened to many, many people. You know, uh, when you think about how God brought water out of the rock in the middle of the desert, there was just a rock in the middle of the desert, God, God had Moses strike the rock, and water came out, right? God moves physical things for us, not just emotional, spiritual things, but God actually helps us with our physical things. So anything we do have, God will help us use that to its best, best ability so we don't have to feel like we have to go buy something, do something, fix go to some place, and all that kind of stuff. If we have a hole in our heart, something we're missing, God will help us. Either he'll bring people into our lives or he'll tell us where we can minister to someone and build this richly rewarding relationship instead of a million shallow ones that just make us feel drained and awful at the end of the day, right? Now, remember, God is always speaking. He's always speaking, just like a radio tower is always transmitting. We just need to tune in scripture says draw near to god and he will draw near to you look at your piles or your crazy schedule and invite him into your mess he's not embarrassed by your mess he loves you and he'll help you dig into that mess little by little expect him to do miracles and he will do them he loves that kind of thing you know that He loves it when people say, you know, I'm going to believe God. I thank you for this big mess here, Lord, because it is a gift to me. Because it's going to show me how much you love me and want to help me. Okay, um, let's see. This is the prayer you can pray. God, this mess, this crazy schedule is too big for me. It overwhelms me, but I know you are bigger than my mess. Just like you were bigger than the Red Sea and giants, and storms. So I invite you to come and help me and be with me. And I would like to learn from your joy-filled personality (laughs) to have hope, even though I can't even see a glimpse of it right now. Thank you. And then step out and have fun overcoming in the name of Jesus. (laughs) So I hope that has blessed you today. And I hope you have a wonderful time taking a new look at what kind of things are dragging you down, what people are dragging you down, what junk is dragging you down. Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe it's a grumbling that you've been allowing to go on in your mind and that's dragging you down just be willing to drop it all off just kick it to the side and allow god's joy to permeate your life because your kids and your husband and your relatives they all need to have someone ministering god's life to them and why not you know your whole house can be filled with that but it can start with you right because you're the spirit of your home (laughs) so have a wonderful day be blessed You know like and subscribe on youtube if you can give me a good review on apple or whatever wherever you listen to it at you know just promote this and help people to find me because i want to bless as many women as i can and whatever truths you've learned here as they are in your life let them flow out to others so you can share this wonderful life-giving concept of joy with everyone you meet because Jesus transforms lives doesn't he so you have a wonderful day bye bye